my name, rapping on sugar, sugar taking me to fame. The cat beats bad Jay, he's way out. Put your hands in the air only hear you shout. Cool cat rapping and singing all these. Give us what we want, and please don't tease. Say here we go again, it won't take long for a cool cat and sing this song. And that was Sugar Sugar by DJ Less and the Cool Cat. As I'm sure you know by listening to it, where they say that a lot of times. Anyway, thank you all for listening to my mixtape. Uh, I thought it would be really cool to put this together and hand it out to everybody who, you know, subscribes to the Sex Archie zine. I really thank you all for, for supporting me and uh, just trying to, to make some art, you know, get some messages out there about one of my hobbies. And uh, I thought I'd do something weird, like uh, one of my uh, comic reviews, but, you know on a mixtape. I don't know if anybody's done this. I don't know. Maybe I'm inventing something. But anyhow, I went to my local comic convention, uh, no matter how bad it smells, in uh, that Holiday Inn. And I finally tracked down the first issue of the Jughead Time Police story. I have in my hand uh, Archie Giant Series number 590, uh, The World of Jughead. So I thought I'd just tell you all about where this started. I mean, I, I know we've covered the later issues in the pages of the actual zine, which is kind of weird because, you know, when I went to get the first issue, my store didn't have it, and it's not like they ever reprint Archie issues. But I've got it now, so you can finally see how it started, um, which is kind of appropriate for a, uh, a time travel story. <laughs> but here we go. Back from the Future, says the name of this first installment, Chapter One. Uh, this is by Rich Margopoulos with uh, art by Rex Lindsay, uh, inked by John uh, D'Agostino. So let's jump right into it. We, we start with Jughead chilling out in Pickens Park, waiting to see Senator Bailey, who's here uh, uh, running for president in Riverdale. I don't, I don't know if he's challenging President Clinton in, like, the primary or, or if he's trying to primary Bush or what. But Senator Bailey, look forward to him in uh, later issues. But out of nowhere, this red-headed lady in uh, a yellow skirt and space boots and gloves, there's, there's a lot of yellow going on, just pops out of nowhere and demands to speak with Jughead and tells him that the fate of the entire world is in his hands, which is a bit unbelievable, and introduces herself as uh, timekeeper of the time police, Marshal January McAndrews. And she keeps telling Jughead that she's got to protect him because he saves the senator's life, uh, which uh, sets history on, on the path it's supposed to take. But time thieves are coming back in time to, to change that. So she has to watch his back and make sure he does whatever he needs to do with the senator. And she proves it by showing him a picture and Jughead's eyes bug out in a, I'd say, unattractive way, to be honest. It's not, mm, it's not great. But meanwhile, these time thieves show up. We've got uh, Beardy, Schnoz, and Squato, uh, is what I've called them, uh, in, in these lightning bolt-covered magenta jumpsuits. So, you know, real non-conspicuous. But then again, they have uh, uh, wristbands that can shoot lightning bolts and vaporize people, so I guess stealth isn't really necessary. So they, they do that. They apparently kill Jughead 
and uh, January McAndrews. And Fred Andrews just thinks it's strange to see lightning and thunder on a clear day. Huh, such strange weather. Not noticing the uh, the carbonized smudge of where these two teenagers used to be a second ago. Uh, great, great parents in this town. But wait, it was a ruse. Those were holographic decoys that uh, January placed to, to buy some precious time. And we see that this photograph was indeed... Uh, a picture of Jughead with the senator, signed by the senator. Uh, but Jughead knows this must be something from time travel and not some elaborate prank by Reggie because he has not yet lived the moment that is, that is represented here. So then January proposes they escape by Thought Balloon, which I expected, like, you know, it's a Jughead story. I expected some, like, fourth wall breaking business, but I guess all they took is the name. It's just sort of a, a balloon that is controlled by their thoughts. They don't actually climb in and, like, go between the gutters uh, of the, the panels, I guess. Sergio Aragones might have been busy uh, when it was time to find an artist, so, so I guess that didn't quite work out. But our uh, time thieves, I mean, they're trying to kill Jughead. These are time assassins. Let's, let's just be honest here. They spot the thought balloon. Uh, and I do not like it when these men are, are drawn from behind because you can see their entire ass. Their, their, their butt cracks are well-defined, even with the, the like little triangle divot above them. I don't know who fitted these uh, Time Thief uniform jumpsuits, but they they clearly have an interest in certain parts of the anatomy, let us say. Uh, but this is the cliffhanger that brings us to Chapter 2 of Back from the Future. Uh, the, the thought bubble is hit and stunned, and they slowly drift down into the Lodge Incorporated factory uh, while a, a watchman is not watching. Instead, he's balancing the world's smallest copy of Moby Dick on his thigh. Uh, I, I do not know the font size of this Moby Dick, but I assume he needs uh, some serious magnification in order to make that legible. But the lightning strike has stunned January severely, and, and Jughead is helping her down uh, in, into the, uh, the roof access stairwell down to the lodge industry. Lodge Incorporated uh, factory floor. The time thieves uh, follow them to the roof, hot on their heels, and synchronize their timepieces, which I'm sure is very important for time thievery. But then, out of nowhere, a super future warbot uh, punches down the door, and January knows that they're sunk. She, uh, she says, quote, Warbots were outlawed after the Fifth World War. They're unstoppable. It's hopeless. Uh, Jughead instructs them both to dive behind some crates to hide. Uh, it then smashes the crates because, you know, unstoppable. But Jughead's not going to take that uh, lying down, and he commandeers a forklift and runs it through, stopping it. I guess in the Fifth World War, they, they did not have 20th century forklift technology. And uh, my, how time might have changed had that been the case. But th this impresses January McAndrews to no end. Uh, she says, the legends are true. You're fearless. 
uh, jumping outside of the factory into the parking lot, they see themselves speeding by in a red convertible, uh, which gives January the idea to go one minute back in time, see the parked convertible with the keys in the ignition, drive it around the corner, and inspire their earlier selves to do the same thing in a closed-loop paradox. Uh, and while explaining the thing that they did, she says, don't try to figure it out. I mean, I figured it out. Um, I guess these are written for kids, which is what everybody tells me, which is why my zine only has so many subscribers that I can copy a mixtape for all of them. But I, it's fine. I love you guys. Uh, January says she only has one trick left, but it's going to break every time law on the books. Okay, I might only be in high school, but are laws really divided by category like that? I mean, people talk about white-collar crime, but I don't think that's a subhead in, in the criminal code of, of Michigan or anything. Is it? I don't, I don't think so. But in any case, this, this trick is taking them both forward to the, the Riverdale of the future. And you know it's the future because uh, a giant golden statue of Forsyth P. Jones is standing in front of the Riverdale City Museum. This does not say the third. So I, I can only assume that Jughead and his grandfather are perfectly identical and that his grandfather is a, a founding figure in future society. Jughead, though, identifies it as himself. Maybe he drops the third in the future. I don't know. Anything could happen. But yes, here we are in the 29th century, uh, a place January believes will be safe from these time thieves for the time being. And Jughead, uh, racked by curiosity, must explore this spacious, gigantic museum, and he begins to learn how important he is to the future. Uh, during a dream one night, he will have an idea that helps all mankind, and he receives the Nobel Prize. He starts exploring the Jughead Wing of the Riverdale City Museum with a gallery of his various hats uh, and a, a diorama of his face being added to the four presidents on Mount Rushmore and his uh, a drum set encased in a cube of solid quartz preserved for all eternity. For one thing, quartz doesn't make a cube, but I'll let it slide. Uh, then we see Jughead's dorm room. He has, uh, he, he has a record collection showing The Jam, not a real band as far as I know. Uh, he has a campaign sticker for Ike. I, I didn't think Jughead was actually from 1942 anymore, but I suppose he may be. Uh, and a, a model of the Millennium Falcon hanging above his bed precariously, where if he were to awake with a start, he might uh, uh, damage the rear deflector shields. Uh, also, there is floor cereal, so this is definitely a, a teen's room. I have to, I have to give credit for that. But, but January reveals one last surprise. Historians have even discovered what the S stands for on your sweater, which makes Jughead uh, very uneasy. This is a much, much better face than some of his other reaction shots. I, I do like this panel quite a bit. He abruptly changes the conversation by noticing all of his friends in the Hall of Associates. It is full of holograms of the Riverdale gang, and, and he plunges his arms straight through the gut of uh, Archie Andrews. 
which is something we've all wanted to do at a time or two. Uh, the two of them speak vaguely uh, about who Archie winds up marrying without naming any names. In fact, before they do, they are uh, uh, interrupted by, of course, the time thieves firing their uh, lightning blasts. Jughead and January hop into Archie's old jalopy, of course, preserved and, and restored uh, in order to uh, bowl through them and escape once again, put putting away into the Hall of Associates, where uh, now, now it's the Time Thieves' turn to have a completely overblown cartoonish reaction of shock. Uh, as we go into Chapter 4, I didn't even notice the transition between 2 to 3. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> You can't really do second takes. Uh, I'm recording straight to cassette, people. Uh, but yes, at the beginning of chapter four of Back from the Future, uh, they see perhaps a thousand Jugheads facing them. Uh, January has, has cloned an army of uh, Forsyth Pendleton Jones III in preparation. Uh, they, they give themselves up and uh, are handcuffed by January McAndrews as Jughead reveals his bluff. No, no, no. They were only 3D illusion holograms programmed for, for this intimidating play. The real cops show up in bright primary colored jumpsuits with knee-high boots and uh, hemispherical... Uh, uh, helmets with with giant stars on them i guess the police of the future are they, they went away from militarization and instead to being patently ridiculous though though the the day is saved there is still meddling that needs to be fixed so january takes jughead to the watchtower headquarters of the time police and, and we get this incredible uh vista of the riverdale of the future the the central figure is this well, watchtower uh, with a glass bulb on top that, uh, and, and a bit that sticks up above. Like, it reminds me kind of like a baby's bottle in a weird way. Uh, but I'm sure it's just meant to be an antenna. And there, there's a hex hexagonal park that radiates out from that, uh, hemmed in by a uh, uh, elevated space age looking highway. But we check in with the marshal who has the same... Uh, red, yellow, and blue style police uniform uh, that is saying, oh, it's simple, Marshall. We're, we're just going to give Jones a big old mind wipe. Uh, he won't remember a thing, and we'll send him back to his own time. Uh, good as new. Everything will be right as rain. But January McAndrews must protest because she has fallen in love with Jughead, just like America did 50 years ago. <laughs> Uh, and so he's popped back in time just to uh, uh, when he left and sees the senator uh, going to his motorcade and about to be run over by a speeding car coming around, around a blind corner. And he tackles the senator to safety. Uh, the, the guy who's driving recklessly profusely apologizes. Uh, and the senator thanks Jughead for saving his life, takes the picture, and promises to send the autograph that uh, January used for evidence all that time ago. And then we cut back toward the, the lodge uh, factory and the, the wrecked war bot. And uh, we get sort of a, a foreshadowing of a Terminator 2 thing. There's a guy who does look kind of like Miles Dyson, uh, who's in charge of getting rid of that pile of junk. So 
I mean, again, I've covered the story. Uh, we all know where this is going. It's clearly an influence, right? They, they wouldn't be doing this time travel story. I, hardly anybody's doing time travel stories now without having Terminator 2 in, in the back of their mind, right? Like, come on, we get it. Maybe things will change when that Time Cop movie finally comes out. I hope it's good. Um, but as Jughead whistles on his way home, uh, January McAndrews zaps back to our time in order to, to spy on him and think to herself, goodbye forever, my love. And, and then back in Jughead's easy chair, he is also dreaming of her. Which, it's so disorienting to see Jughead you know, having feelings for any human person, but romantic feelings at that. Um, but I'm really glad to have my collection of this story complete. Uh, it, it's great to see where it started. It's a much, much better time travel story than a, a sleigh in time, which I can only assume was written for like fifth grade history classes and not for anyone who likes to read stories. But it's just part of what I've been saying about uh, the, the whole Archie series and how experimental they're not afraid to be, especially over the last few years. I mean, we have Archie 3000, we have Jellybean joining the cast, which is very exciting because they've said that Jellybean's going to grow up, and that means the teens are going to grow up. They might finally graduate, because, like, if you go from newborn to toddler to child and, like, the rest of them are all still 16, like, how bizarre is that going to be it just it can't possibly work but i i think that is the clear path forward for archie comics uh as a company i i know that people are excited because they got those rights to uh make sonic the hedgehog comics uh which i'm sure are going to sell really well but like there are no legs to it there's no longevity right because like i played those games i have a genesis uh but there's not a lot of story there. Uh, there's not a lot of characters. There's zero dialogue. Like you can only extrapolate so much until it becomes completely unrecognizable. I guess maybe I'll finally find out what was supposed to be happening in Spinball. But then after that, like, where do you go from there? Anyway, that, that's just my comic review for this uh, mixtape audio episode of the Sex Archie zine. And uh, I guess I'm going to play you out now with Sugar Sugar by Old Trim. Is one of them Old Trim? Are they all? Is it like Little Trim? coming in i um, hello that was weird sorry there's this sort of ribbon of time space that passed through uh my apartment here and it suddenly felt like it was 1993 again
except I wasn't five years old. Don't think about it too hard. Uh, but anyway, as we mentioned in our last couple episodes, uh, Elena and I are not available to uh, record uh, our, our immediate impressions on broadcast of uh, the the Midnight Club episode, the, the flashback episode of Riverdale. So I thought I'd throw together something a bit goofy uh, to fit in the spirit of that flashback for you. You will be getting uh, that episode in just a few days, though, so look forward to it eventually. Something else you've been looking forward to that I can now deliver is all those character sheets for Swords and Serpents uh, that I've been talking about for months now. They're finally here, they're finally ready, and my uh, uh, numbers and character building have been put into very attractive, usable character sheet PDFs by Aaron Wolf Samurai Raudabush. Uh, he's a guy that makes fantastic 13th Age content. You can find more at patreon.com slash wolfsamurai, and thank him for helping me out. Uh, I decided to make these characters in 13th Age because it is my favorite uh, D20 throwing fantasy game, and it has elements like the one unique thing and uh, the way the background system works, where you just say, you know, something that your character has done, and then they're good at things related to that rather than having a, a list of 20 or so skills and wondering why. I can't use my strength stat to help intimidate somebody when I'm a big muscly guy. Why is that? 13th Age doesn't have that problem. It's one of the reasons I really like it. You can find out more by searching for the 13th Age or by looking up the 13th Age SRD. That's the System Resource Document. Uh, this is a open source game, uh, which means it's, it's you know got a Creative Commons open license, uh, so you can use the uh, rules to do anything you want with proper attribution. Hello, I'm giving attribution. Uh, it's also a resource document that you can go look up any game-related terms and keywords. So if you're not familiar with the game, you can go find out what exactly uh, uh, Tony's cleric powers do uh, just by looking up their names from those sheets. Uh, you can find links to all sorts of stuff like that, including patreon.com slash wolf samurai, all one word, uh, in the, the text file in that uh, folder on Dropbox linked in the comments. Anyhow, this was a lot of fun. I like doing it. I hope I like editing it, and I really hope you like listening to it. Uh, again, in a few days, you're going to have our, our regular episode with the two of us. But please, in the meantime, uh, think about when Kurt Cobain was still alive. How about that? Oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down. Sugar. Oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down. Come on. And you got me. And you got me. And you got me. Break it down, won't you please?